Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Imagine getting right into the middle of a true story that develops around you while you're listening. That's the narrative approach taken in The Untold, a BBC show telling stories about life in modern Britain. Its team of producers, well, they seem to have a superpower. They're able to find people going through significant life events and persuade them to talk about it all while it's still happening. I'll speak to one of The Untold team in just a moment about how they do it all. And it sounds and feels very different from the normal way these stories get told to us usually using audio recorded and edited together after the fact, with a narrative provided by someone usually sitting in a studio who knows the eventual outcome. Stories in the untold can develop in unexpected directions, so the uncertainty and the sense of jeopardy feels genuine. Be My Baby is all about a man about town called Thomas, who's in the middle of a potentially life-changing experience. When it comes to attracting women, Thomas is that powerful combo of tough and motorcycle-loving and also at the same time soft and kind and the sort of lad who loves his mum and his cat. Do you want to come off here? Now Thomas has got himself into, well, more than a spot of bother. Hello. (laughs) With a girl from the other side of town. Yeah, speaking. He's on the phone to a local doctor's surgery. Thursday, yeah? Thomas is in the middle of arranging an appointment to have a DNA test. Yep, bring 120 quid and... He wants to find out if a baby girl in this town is his. And I do. Despite the fact that another man's name is on the birth certificate. Bye. Wow. This is The Untold. By the way, I'm calling Thomas... Thomas, but this isn't his actual name because this is a very intimate and difficult story. I think everyone needs a little privacy. But let's start at the beginning. I met her online on a website called Tagged. Uh, I've used it for years. Went round her flat, chilled out for a little bit with her. Went round the next day, chilled out with her again, just carried on talking to her. There was a thing going around Facebook at the time where men would put makeup on to raise awareness for a charity. And uh, I let her put all my make- her makeup on me and I had like blue eyes and pink cheeks and fat red lips. She was sweet, she was funny, she was kind, but she was just not right for me. I vaguely remember him telling me that he'd met someone, but given the fact that my mum had died four weeks after we moved here, um... He kind of kept a little bit quiet. It's about a week and a half, something like that, that we was, shall I say, seeing each other, about a week and a half. After that, things was like... <laughs> things just went a bit sizzly. Thomas's fling with the girl he met on Tagged ended. It had only lasted a few days. And by February, a few weeks later, Thomas had met someone new. It came to Valentine's Day and I was at this girl's house, chilling with her and her dad. And then I had a text from, what's her name, saying, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. 
<laughs> it's Valentine's Day, the day of partners and the day of love. And you're feeling lonely as hell, so you're going to say this, try and make me come back. That's my initial reaction. So I was like, bullshit, prove it. So uh, I went round to see her and talked to her. And uh, she had the tests on her. And that kind of was a bit definitive for me. I was like, OK, yeah, she's pregnant. I didn't say I loved her, nothing like that. I just said, look, we don't want a relationship. We're not meant for a relationship, but I've got you pregnant, so I'll stand up to Mark. I went round her every day for, like, two months. I went to scans with her. I wasn't pleased about the fact that it hadn't been a long-term relationship. I would have preferred it if it had been. But as it was, it wasn't. We found this, this really cute baby grow. It's got fluff on the front of it. And it's so you can put your baby on laminate floor and whilst they're crawling about, they, like, polish the floor. So it was quite cool. We had a laugh with it and stuff like that. We did get on well. Like, we thought of the name Ellie for a girl and Theo for a boy. I love that name, Theo. <laughs> I got really excited about it. And so did my mum at some point. I know she was calling and asking if there was any hereditary conditions in the family. And everything was kind of fine until the following month. It got to April 15th and she started getting a bit distant and, like, offered me in short, blunt replies. And I was just like... She said she was going out to cinema with her mate. I was like, ah, oh, fair who? I was just, like, just generally asking who you're going out with. And she's like, it doesn't concern you. And I was like, well, no, I'm just generally asking a question. Why are you getting so defensive? She started cutting him dead and blocking him and... Because he'd already been to the scans with her, so he'd all, already built up a little bit of an emotional attachment. But then it all went pear-shaped, so rein in the emotions. Simple as that. She blocked me from Tagged, WhatsApp, Snapchat, Facebook. And did you have any friends in common that you... No. So actually she just disappeared? Yeah, she just literally vanished. I've got my collection of acoustic guitars and electric guitars. I've got a Martin Smith, I've got this, which is one of my newest ones. I need to get a new high Eastern one. Thomas's pregnant ex-girlfriend had gone completely off the radar. He was upset and worried and, above all, confused. Did she just want to have this baby completely without him? I've had to bottle everything up. My mum found me in the bathroom in tears because I just couldn't cope. It's the whole not knowing that annoys the hell out of me. The one thing Thomas does know is that this girl's ex-boyfriend has moved back in with her. Because Thomas's fling with this girl only lasted a few days, he's beginning to doubt whether this really is his baby. It's just the not knowing that I hate. If I knew she was mine and I was just waiting for confirmation, I already know. But as well, I don't know if she is or if she isn't. That's what I find the most difficult part. Months passed. The baby was about to arrive and Thomas still knew nothing. Whether the baby or mother were well, Thomas didn't even know if the baby was his. Eventually, he got a sliver of news via a new acquaintance who was friends with his ex on Facebook. The first post I see when I open her Facebook was from that day, so in going at three o'clock. And that's when I knew that by that night, my child would be in this world. I felt like I was going to puke. I wanted to scream. I wanted to smile. I wanted to cry. And then I just stalked that Facebook. And it, was, it wasn't until the next day, there was a photo put up of her. And I saw her. 
Mum made a pasta bake, I remember this actually, because I love my pasta. And I was sat in the conservatory eating it with her, and I broke down in tears and cried all over my pasta bake. But there were tears of... Tears of fear and happiness, love and hate, every emotion under the sun, I was crying out my eyeballs. (laughs) I mean, I was happy that I could finally see her and know what she looks like, but I was terrified that she could be mine. Some of Be My Baby from The Untold, presented by Grace Dent and produced by Sarah Bowen for BBC Radio 4. Sarah's been working on The Untold since the show started over three years and a hundred episodes ago. Because it's so different, it is quite hard to make because actually we're following a story as it unfurls. We're trying to you know, capture that, that moment when someone's life is, is going to change. So I have to be there when somebody loses their job or gets a home or finds out their husband's been having an affair. And so that's what makes it so compelling and that's what we try and do is is get people into a story that they can't switch off, but equally that's what makes it so hard to make in many ways because you have to find the ballerina before she falls off the stage. And how do you do that? How do you find those? Because I, I kept listening to it thinking, I don't know how you've... A, why would someone give you that kind of access and say, I'm just going through this really traumatic period in my life. Hey, I'd like you to come and record it. And B, how do you even know that that's going on? How do you hear about these people? Well, we do start following stories that don't make it to air because it doesn't pan out. But yeah, it is very research heavy in the first place. So how do I find people? I mean, we, we all do our own research, so most of the producers are finding their own stories through Reddit or crowdfunding websites, local papers. I mean, I actually I probably am different from some of the producers because I focus in on a story I want to tell. And then, having decided I want to tell that story, I start phone-bashing organisations, companies, charities, help groups, friends of friends, until I find the right story to tell. So I hone it in, in a way that other people probably think more laterally or broadly about trying to find a story. How did you find Thomas? Well, I knew that was a story I wanted to tell, so I think it took me about six months to find him. I mean, I rang most of the DNA testing labs in the UK and tried to explain to them what I wanted to do and why. And most of them said no. But Alpha Biolabs was the one that said they'd think about it. And about four months after our first phone call, they started to come back with potential people. And one of them, Thomas, delightfully wanted to take part. Why do you think he was up for it? Because I don't want to use the wrong word here, but I don't want to say intrusive, but that's the word that comes to mind. If I'm going through all this and it's very emotional and I'm uncertain about something, and it's got a massive impact on my life, probably the last thing I'd be thinking about is, hey, I know, I'll get someone to record it all and put it out on the radio. Yes, I mean, I think people <laughs> people have varying um, reasons for wanting to take part. I mean, some people just genuinely want me or fellow producers alongside them when they're doing something that's really completely out of their comfort zone. I mean, other people just have a, a story they want to get across. I made a programme about a woman called Maya who was an anorexic teenager sitting her, her A-levels, her end of school exams and 
despite you know her illness and her stress, what she wanted to tell, the story she wanted to get across was the fact that it was having a huge impact on her brother and a lot of people aren't aware of the ripple effects anorexia can have. So that was, you know, some people come to me and that's the angle they want to... They have a story they want to tell. And other people just think that actually if we're there alongside them, the journey or the the hell they're going to go through won't be as bad. I mean, I made a programme about a woman deciding whether to have a Huntington's test and all her family had been wiped out by it. So... You know, she wanted to talk about Huntington's and how it's a hidden disease, but also she knew that if I wasn't there, she might not have the test at all. So you've got an idea in mind and you go out and it sounds like you're looking online a lot for for certain topics and issues that interest you. You find someone to talk to and they're willing and able to do so. Have you ever had a situation where you've kind of gone through this whole quite labour-intensive process that you've found someone to talk to and they've kind of got cagey or had second thoughts somewhere during that process and said, I don't want to do it anymore? Yes, and I think that's quite right that they do. I mean, I do say quite up front quite early on, this is quite intrusive and it's quite intimate and I can change your name, but I can't anonymise your voice, so you will be recognised. And I, I mean, I followed for a little bit a man who had stolen money from his company to pay for his kids' private boarding school fees. And he was deciding whether to tell his employer, because he hadn't told his employer that he'd been in prison and he was a thief. Wow. And he decided in the making of the programme that he shouldn't do it, because actually his children didn't want him to do it. And you, so usually when people pull out, I kind of agree with them that they shouldn't be doing it. But it doesn't happen as often as you think it would. It would. I mean, you get a level of trust that I find absolutely extraordinary making these programmes and, and people give their stories to you and you have to treasure them and look after them and, and respect what they've done and tell them in the best way that you both feel is right. But you have to almost be ready to drop everything. If you're following a story and you're waiting for these key kind of pivotal moments uh, for that story to develop... What you might just get a phone call and say, "Hey, it's all on. You need to get here now." Oh yeah, I mean the amount of Saturday nights I've spent trundling on awful, terrible diesel trains across the UK, thinking what's happened to my social life, and getting excited because somebody might be open to sell me a cheese sandwich at one in the morning. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> you have to be there and ready to go. But you know, if people are if people are sharing their stories with you, I think the least I can do is is be there at those pivotal moments. I mean, I also use quite a bit of self-record and all traditional audio diaries, which you know some people are brilliant at and some aren't, and that helps a little bit. So I will say, here's a Zoom, or do you know how to record on your phone? Well, when I've gone and when you're thinking and when everybody's in bed, please just whip out your phone and, and tell me what's going on. And I think if you're going to be playing the Thomas programme, there's a point at which he goes to have the DNA test and I couldn't go for some reason. And so that little bit when he's sitting in the doctor's surgery, he just whips out his phone and tries to record himself. I'm currently sat in the doctor's and I've just had my swabs. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to record while it was happening. What you would have heard was... 
And the great thing is, I think audiences are totally okay with some of the rough and readiness now of that self-record, and it and it seamlessly fits into a programme where hopefully, when I come back on board, it's recorded slightly clearer. But nobody objects. I just think it's important that those key moments in the story, if we can record them, are, are there. It's funny, isn't it? Because I'm just thinking, talking to you, and and so many of the stories that we hear, and I guess this is the untold's point of difference. You kind of know, or or the person making the show knows what the beginning, the middle and the end is when they make the show. And they're almost, you know, in some ways, perhaps trying to capture the uncertainty retrospectively and kind of going through, oh, we didn't know this at the time. But you're able to capture all that uncertainty and all that emotion at the time. And I guess that's the key point of difference, isn't it? I mean, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get so intensely into that moment that you can't turn it off because it is so now and happening and you are alongside it. But yes, from a producer's point of view, if you don't know what's going to happen or what the result's going to be, you have to keep the edit, I think, quite loosely or if edited at all until you stop recording. I mean, I tend to not edit at all in case the programme doesn't happen. The programme I made about someone deciding whether to have a a test to find out whether she had Huntington's. I wasn't sure that I'd be able to broadcast it at all if the result was really, really bad, because it would be too painful and awful. And you can hear me, actually, if you do ever listen to it, as she gets the results and she doesn't have it, there's this awful sniffing, blubbing noise, and I was thinking, what on earth is going on? And actually, it's me with um, trying to wipe my nose on the microphone because I was so engaged with the story and equally so delighted I could actually broadcast the story because it was a good result. And with the example with Thomas and Be My Baby, I mean, the moment that he gets those results, I'm not going to say what they are, from the the testing lab, that was all... You were there on the spot and that was all new, that was news to all of you equally. Oh, completely. I mean, you could never mock something like that up. And I run that in, in almost real time. Would you like me to give you a verbal result over the telephone? Do you want a verbal result, Mum? But we still may get on email. Yeah, but we still get the email as well? Yeah, you'll still get the email, yeah. Go on then, give me a verbal result. But yes, now I was sitting there recording that and we were all just staring at kind of at a white blank wall. And part of you, of course, as a professional, is thinking, how am I going to get Matt, make this into a programme? And the other half is thinking, you know, you get so in- engaged and alongside your contributors that you're gunning for them to have the answer that, that they're desperate for. Sarah Bowen, one of the producers of The Untold from BBC Radio 4. And there's a back catalogue of about 100 stories the show's already covered. Details of where to listen to more and subscribe on our website at rnz.co.nz forward slash podcast hour. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.